Hi, you're listening to the RVC Podcast, a ministry of River Valley Church in Fresno, California. Yep, right on. Any of those friends here today? No, I'm just kidding. Don't point them out. So what, what do you, let's, go, let's think about this. What, what is it that makes it difficult in, in your generation to like live for Jesus Christ? Like how hard is it to sort of live your life for the Lord, but to be in this time period and to be in junior high or to be in the high school? There's lots of like bad influences on you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of people think it's like uncool and you want to f- you want to fit in with the people your age but you also want to be who you are and that's a real struggle because it's like oh you're supposed to wear a certain thing you're supposed to watch certain movies and go to certain parties yeah. but then you also want to be like living for God right so it's just hard to balance yeah so you guys starting to feel that pressure already yeah anybody else yeah kind of the same thing for me like say like some of my friends just say bad words and do ungodly things and it's hard to not do what they're doing and yeah. stay with Jesus. Yeah, so you feel a lot of that pressure. Yeah, pressure to sort of conform, pressure to be a part of what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Um, what ways, you think about this, you know, here we are talking today about like how, how, do we, how do we continue to shepherd your generation, you guys as parents, as people who are part of RVC, how do we help you grow spiritually? What are some of the ways that we could actually, your parents or adults could do to sort of help you in your walk with God? What are some ways that they could be praying for you? Uh, parents and adults can have like an open heart and just not lose your, their self-control on you. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> go ahead. I think that they could be trustworthy and you can go to talk to them. And they could mention past experiences that you're sort of going through and yeah. help you along the way. Yeah. So sometimes it's hard to feel like, wait, can I really share what the big struggle is at school? Because well, my parents or were people that, you know and love me, will they understand, or will they be open, or, you know, can I even be honest, huh? Yeah. It's just nice to have people as a support group to know that they'll be there for you, and, like, no matter what you're going through, that they want to know about it, and that they want to, like, help you through it. So, like, sometimes stuff will be hard, and I'll go talk to my mom, um, and we'll just talk it out, and then she'll pray for me, and it's just really great. Awesome. How about social media? We really didn't talk about social media. So, I grew up, we didn't have, you know, I had a rotating dial phone. Uh, do you guys even know what that is? <laughs> And, like, all my friends had lots of zeros in their phone number. It was like, oh, my gosh, this is taking forever. Uh, and then you mess up one. Do you guys remember that struggle? And you mess up one, you're like going, what is going on? And then there was no call waiting, so you call your friend, and it was just like, eh, 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 and you don't even know what that noise is to you. So how about social media? Do you guys feel, like, uh, pressure on social media? Do you feel like that that is an, an area that's like, okay, this could get really, you know, influence or bullying or just all those kinds of things on social media? I used to have an Instagram account and I had, I used to be like, oh, they go to my school, so I'll let them follow me because I had just transferred to Clovis North and was trying to meet new people. And then I just had so many people following me and I didn't like having that many people like know what's going on in my life. It's weird, yeah. like if you think about it. So I deleted that account and now it's just like friends and family that follow me. There you go. That's super smart. It is weird, huh? Like random people come up to you going like, oh, I follow you. Like, okay, creepy, right? Yeah. Anybody else? How about some of the boys? Anything like social media or just having access to phone? What's that? No social media. Okay. Look at you guys. Friends and family and then nothing. Well, good for you guys. 
then that question is just obsolete. That's how you deal with it, right? You just don't have it. I love it. Great answer. Um, how about your parents? Do they have some? No, we're not going to get into that right now. It's social media. Well, listen, so we'll, uh, I appreciate you guys coming. Just giving us a little sample of kind of uh, anything else you guys thought about that you would love to share? Nope. All right. Let's pray for these guys right now. Would you guys join me and pray? Not only for them, but we're going to pray just for God's blessing upon RVC young kids and families. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for um, just giving us the ability to have uh, such amazing young people coming through RBC, Lord, and their families, God, raising them in your ways, teaching them about your love. Father, we pray a covering over our young people. God, they certainly face even more than they've uh, been able to share today, God, than we ever did in school. God, the pressure to conform, Lord, the, um, the, the uh, pressure to, to, to not believe something, God, that your word says is just um, crazy, the amount that they face. And Father, we're praying over them, that you would help them to stand strong, God, that you would help them to uh, be protected in this world. And Father, that these young people, God, and our young people at RBC and our kids, Lord, they would go out, and God, they would be a light in a dark world. We pray that you would use them to bring many people to you, God. And Father, that they would glorify you in all that they do, Lord, in their sports and in their school. God, the way they honor their moms and dads, Father, that you'd use them on their campuses as they head out uh, this fall, God, into new grades. Lord, we love you. We just pray blessings over our young people today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Well, good morning, gang. Hey, I'm going to invite you to turn your Bibles to uh, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Let's see if we can get some, uh, some more lights in here for you so you can open your Bibles up. Deuteronomy chapter 4. This morning we are continuing our series well, survey says these are just topics that came up in 2018, 2019 about like things that we'd love to know about, grow in. Last week we talked about persevering in prayer. If you weren't with us last week, man, go have a moment on our website and go listen to it. It's rbcfresno.com uh, under resources. We talked about the story Jesus shared, which was to, to always pray and to not lose hope. And what a, what a blessing that we get to go to a church that, you know, we, we allow people to stand up to get prayed for and cared for and loved on. And uh, it certainly was a blessing. When you think about the subject of prayer, that's a way that, you know, you can feel humbled. You ask somebody, hey, how's your prayer life? And you're like, well, it's not so good. You're right. Never had anybody come up to you and say like, oh, my prayer life's amazing. In fact, Jesus asked me to back off a little bit. But there's probably nothing more humbling than asking someone a question about parenting. And it asks, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, uh, because of my role being a pastor that I have to share on and talk on things that I myself have actually stumbled and messed up. And, uh, you know, raising kids is certainly a way to, uh, you know, um, to, re to realize when you have kids that you actually just have no idea uh, what you're doing, right? And it's like, you're literally letting me leave the hospital with this baby? Is that really happening right now? And, uh, and yet, um, we do learn from God's uh, word how we are to develop homes where we are raising, uh, you know, and, and, and building spiritually healthy families. It's a message really for everyone. So if you're single, you don't have kids, or if you're a grandparent, we all want to have a positive influence on those that God has entrusted to us, right? Uh, we think about prayer. You know, if we mess that up, we can't really mess God up. But parenting, boy, we can mess kids up uh, in a big way. So I want to begin with grace. I want you to understand that, thank, that we can thank the Lord for his grace that covers our mistakes. And we thank him that he gives us the ability to have uh, more opportunities, right, to get things right, get things moving in the right direction in our home. 
Grace covers all of our, our failures and mistakes. When you think about parenting, I, I think about that ride at Disneyland, Big Thunder Mountain Road, and there's that voice that says, hold on your hats and glasses, right? This here is the wildest ride in the wilderness. And that's kind of what it's like. Man, this is going to be crazy. Psalm 127 says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the person whose quiver is full of them. We've got to be careful how we handle those arrows so that they can shoot straight out of our households and into life. So we think about raising kids, think about spiritually healthy homes. Start kind of with the end in mind. What's your end goal for your kid? Like what is it you're hoping that your child will become and, and actually, you know, end up looking like? It's important that we're honest here. A lot of times it might be we want to make sure that our kids always make us look good, right? Uh, that they don't make us look bad, you know what I mean? And, uh, and, and don't show your flaws, right? Or maybe it's for some families it's to achieve a higher education, you know, that you feel like, oh, I failed. My kids didn't get their master's degrees. And uh, they don't have any debt and they can actually get jobs. This is tough, man. Think about this. Is it to fulfill your dream for them? Like, this is what you're going to do. I know you're going to do this, you know. And uh, it's something that I've always wanted for you. You know, that's a hard burden to carry around. There's a, a great uh, Christmas movie that came out called Fred Claus. I don't know if you guys have seen it yet. Vince Vaughn, who's like the same actor in every single thing that he does. But he's Fred Claus. His brother is Nicholas Claus. And his mom would always say to him, I just wish you were a little bit more like your brother. You know what I mean? Imagine Jesus' siblings. You know, gosh, why can't you just be more like your brother, the Savior of the world? Here's a great promise for parents, and we're going to get into Deuteronomy 6. Is Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's our job, to train up our children in the way that they should go. And it's God who's the one who actually determines that path, Right? God's the one who says, this is the direction that I want this child to go. Say things like, well, I want my child to love football, or that they're going to be smart, and they're going to you know, take over the family business, and they're going to probably not come home for Christmas with that kind of pressure. It's about guiding, influencing, nurturing our kids to follow God's path for their life. And when they transition to adulthood, we trust God for their life, and we pray over them, and we love them. And we ask the question when we start with the end in mind, what really matters? That they would know and they would follow God. That they would fulfill their God-given potential. That they would love others and care for others. And they wouldn't be selfish people. So we look through God's word and starting with Deuteronomy 6. And we see these are some of the ways that we build a spiritually healthy home. A spiritual climate that will actually raise kids to know and to follow him. Now this is... Uh, for, for the nation of Israel, this was like the big statement that they held on to. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 7. Here's what Moses says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This was 
what is known as the Shema for uh, the Jewish people. They, and it's, it's from the word hear in Hebrew. And it is their, you know, sort of their, their statement, you know, passage of like, this is who you're supposed to be as the people of God. So we think about this, uh, what God has to say to the nation of Israel and to us. Number one, here's, here's, here's how we build a spiritually healthy family. Number one, that we have a household where God is welcomed and honored. And it's got to begin there. This was the greatest commandment, Jesus said. Somebody said, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? He says, the greatest commandment is this. And Jesus quoted this passage. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and your strength. Why do we have to start there? It has to start with your love, your passion, your walk with God, mine. If we're truly going to be successful in building a spiritually healthy family, it starts with we have a house where God's welcomed and honored. He alone can give us wisdom. He alone can give us strength to, uh, we need to raise kids. He alone can give you the ability to love your spouse. He alone can give you the ability to get over a painful divorce and even parenting solo, as my mom did. This is a home where parents have a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, love the Lord your God with all. You think about that. It means that God first has to be the motto in your life. God being number one in your life, God being number one in my life. Of all the things that are important to you, think about the things right now. You go, boy, these things are like the, the things that, that kind of my life is surrounded by. It's what I live for. What's at the top of that list? Is it relationship with God? That's where it needs to be. Now, again, these words were the most important to Israel and to us, as Jesus says, the greatest commandment. Notice that we didn't say a religious home. This is about having an authentic connection to Jesus and his word in your household. We love God completely for he loved us completely. This isn't going through religious motions. It's we seek to know God. We're seeking to love him. We're seeking to be a student of his word, allowing it to guide our lives. And that's why uh, the Bible says that it has to be in your heart first before we pass it down to our kids. He said, let these words be in your heart. And then you begin to pass that, that knowledge of God's truth down to your children. This is the idea of that you think about relationship versus religion. You know, religious household says, these are all things we want you to know, even though we're not going to continue to live our lives by them, right? A relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not supposed to be weird. Notice that it gets passed down to our kids from sort of the ebbs and flows of life, right? When you're walking by the way, when you're going to sleep, when you're waking up, when you're sitting down and having a meal, we're actually sharing these truths about who God is. Kids see us in his word. Your children see you making church a priority. Aren't you glad you showed up today? Right? The kids see us living out our life and our, you know, our faith in an authentic way. And then those truths begin to get stuck into their life, right? To love him, to share that message to your kids, to love God with everything you have is the best life you could ever live. I, I don't care what you end up doing in life. The only thing I want you to do is to love God and to walk with him. Because if you do that, you'll have a job, right? And you'll live a productive life. But we want you to know and follow God. 
There's so many things buying for these kids' attention. I bet you that there's probably so much that they could have shared with us more and more and more, like what sort of influences, what sort of, you know, peer pressures that they face. But the enemy is wise, and he's after them. And so we give them God's truth, and we surround our household where, where God is welcomed and honored, right? So you think about, man, putting worship music on in the car. You know, uh, there's, listen, your kids' music taste is going to change. <laughs> when our kids are little, they're listening to Salty, the singing songbook. Remember that creepy old blue book if you grew up in church like in the 80s? Anybody? Salty, the songbook? Nobody else knows Salty, the songbook except Aaron. There we go, Brian Hill. Brian Hill still listens to it. He plays Salty <laughs> in the car. Worship music. You know what I mean? Exposing them to truth. I'm not saying that music that doesn't have a theme of God in it is wrong. But I'm just saying, man, Give your children exposure to God and who he is in your household, in your car, as you're just living your life. Notice that he says it's to be on your hand. It's to be on your forehead. It's to be on your doorpost. It's to be on your gate. Many of the Jewish communities actually literally done that. And so you'll see if you go to Israel, you'll see them with, you know, like a little box that has the Shema written up inside of it or on the, the, you know, the front of your household. They'll have the, this passage, you know, in a cool little box with the Star of David on it. The idea is that it's always in front of you. And it's to be as near as your hand, near as your forehead, near as the door and the gate. Always out in front of us, we're constantly trying to share God's truth with our kids. And when you go to sleep, you know, at night, God is with you. I don't know where that prayer came. You know, Lord, now I lay me down to sleep. Uh, what's the rest of it? It's like a Metallica song, honestly, right? <laughs> it's true, right? Enter Sandman. You know what I'm saying. Like, Lord, you know, and if I die before I wake, I'm like, hold up. How about, Lord, wake me up before I die? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know, like scaring these kids. Man, you find a way to get God's word into your home. You know, we have every Sunday we've got these available, these parent cues. These are so fantastic to have just the ability to give you some direction, some morning time, things that you can share, kids, things that your kids are learning in, in our Sunday school. And drive time, talking about cuddle time, bath time, uh, you know, and then uh, the memory verses that they're working on. What a great tool that you have in the 21st century that, that others did not have available to them. Man, grab those things. Use those to actually go, we're going to start having, you don't go like, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to start having an hour and a half of devos every single night. Listen, that always turned into like some knucklehead in my household punching his brother, laughing, and then, you know, dad just blowing up. I'm trying to share God's truth with you kids. And my wife's like, it's like they're five. You need to slow it down a little bit. Things that you're learning about God yourself. Talk to your kids about, man, I'm reading God's word, and this is what God's been showing me. You know, this is a, a great little booklet that um, I've read for now the last several years. It's just a, it's really just sort of like a, a, a story of the gospel, you know, creation, fall, redemption, and, and, and uh, we actually ordered, um, I ordered a hundred of these. They're coming in two weeks. I'm going to have them out at our connection center. Grab one of these. And it shares the sort of the narrative of the gospel with little verses. And you could just go like, you know what? Each week we're going to look at one aspect of what God has done for us. Those are ways that you can actually influence your kids in getting God's truth in their lives. It isn't about we better find a church that can help raise our kids. Church is here to supplement what we're supposed to be doing as parents 
in our households. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Who taught Timothy? Well, he tells us in the uh, second uh, letter to Timothy, he says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. How about that? Man, Timothy had a grandma, and Timothy had a mom. And there's no mention of dad or any patriarch in the family. It was these two women that knew their God-given calling was to invest in Timothy. And that investment made him the sidekick to the Apostle Paul and a pastor of so many churches and helped develop the ministry in the beginnings of the early church. You teach them your truth. You take little books like this and you teach them doctrine, like this is what salvation is. This is what sin is. You know, they're living in a world that's constantly redefining what sin is. It's like sort of going to a, a smorgasbord, you know what I mean? Or a, 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 a restaurant saying, well, I don't really like this page and I don't really like that, you know what I mean? You and I didn't write this. We don't get to make that kind of stuff up. There's no like Christian whiteout. Oh, I don't like that passage. So I'm going to just get rid of that. You teach them about the cross, salvation through Jesus Christ. You teach them what grace is. And it wasn't just Timothy hearing this, it was Timothy seeing it. They modeled it for Timothy, that genuine faith. And so you and I, again, we model that for our kids, that they can see the way you and I are living our lives. Kids are watching us. They watch you wrestle with forgiveness and forgiving the unforgivable. They see you not live with bitterness in your heart when someone has wronged you. Boy, that's living out God's truth in front of your kids. They see you and I loving on sinners, accepting people's flaws and all. They see that we uh, put God as you know, priority over our lives. It's a God-centered home. Joshua said this in Joshua 24. He said, as for me and my house, right, we shall serve the Lord. When we truly love God, we'll be in a place to create you know, that, that, that household that is a spiritually healthy family. Here's, a, here's another thing I want you to think about. It's, it's a household that welcomes and honors God. It's also a household that has fair and consistent discipline. Fair and consistent discipline. Did anyone else figure out you had an anger problem once you had children? <laughs> like, I was like a happy-go-lucky person. And then three boys in our household, three boys. The kids, they, they, can, they still remember. I mean, when we get to hang out with them, you know, then it's just all the, oh, remember we were seeing Spider-Man and they said crap and mom made us leave the movie theater. And I'm like, well, I took them to the movie the week before and they saw Spider-Man already. So uh, mom was the one, you know, I mean, they're like, mom, we've already seen it. And, uh, uh, and oh, man, anyways, we're going to fast forward. Good news is we get second round grandparents. So, you know, our little grand. Baby shark is coming in December or in November. We're excited about that. I'll let Austin figure out fair and consistent discipline um, on his own. Here's what Ephesians 6 says. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Your kids need discipline in their lives just like you and I as parents do. But it's discipline that is fair. It fits the crime. Each child is so different. When they do something wrong, man, they learn from it. 
They also learn that there are rules in life and there are consequences for decisions that we make. But it's all out of a heart of love that wants our children to grow. Proverbs 13 says, verse 24, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Again, they, uh, you know, that fair and consistent discipline to, dis- what they would tell us like when we were, you know, new, new moms and new dads, and like, you know, hey, just don't discipline out of anger. Like, well, why am I going to discipline then? Of course I'm angry. This is, you know, this is what's going on. But it's fair and consistent. Usually it would be, you know, when I would blow up at the, at the kids, uh, it would be because I let something go on for so long, you know what I mean? And then you're sort of mad that you just didn't, like, stop it right when you should have stopped it. And you use things like, oh, I'm serious. I'm, I'm had it up to here. You know what I mean? My mom used to say that. We're like, mom, your arm is so long, you can have it way up to here. And then that's when you'll snap. Sometimes you just need to take a nap, moms and dads. <laughs> take a chill a little bit. And then discipline. Paul said that we're not to provoke our kids to anger. Being harsh, breaking their spirits with harsh discipline can, as Paul said, uh, be a discouragement to them. In Colossians, he talks about that. Lead a kid to discouragement. Discipline is for their good and for their best, and it's always out of a heart of love. Warren Wiersbe, a pastor and commentary writer, he says, parents can provide kids and Kids, parents can provoke kids and discourage them by saying one thing and doing another, by always blaming and never praising, by being inconsistent and unfair in discipline, and by showing favoritism in the home, by making promises and not keeping them, and by making light of problems that to the child are very important. I would add, ways to discourage our kids is to have unrealistic expectations on their life. Unrealistic expectations. The goal in discipline is to get them back on the right track, not to crush their heart. A a home that welcomes and honors God. A home that has fair and consistent discipline. It's also a home where grace covers mistakes. We learn about God's grace. Forgiveness from God flows to us, and it flows out of us to others. Our kids will disappoint us. We will disappoint our kids too, Right? But grace has got to have the final word in our household. To apologize to our kids. And when they mess up and when they, they you know, break rules, that we have grace. And we say, you know what? Mom and dad forgive you. Right? We teach them about how God sees them. And God sees them with love and grace and mercy. We know that from the story Jesus told us, Luke 15, about the prodigal son. And this son completely dishonored his dad and his entire family. And yet we see the son coming back to, you know, his dad, coming back to um, that place. Sorry about that, guys. My ear's like shrinking or something. This thing's dropping. And we see this, you know, son coming, and the dad hikes up his robe and runs and embraces his son. Now, some would actually say that was because what he had done to the family deserved punishment by death in that, in that time period. But we see the dad just embracing him. He didn't say like, Oh, look at you. What a mess you are. Man, you, where's your ring? Where's your robe? Oh, I'm so just, it was just love and embracing. And, it, and it's, that's what forgiveness is in the home, gang. It's not like, well, you know, you, you know what you did back in 2004. That's just heartbreaking still. It's like, move on and forgive and embrace. 
God's word says where sin abound, grace abounds. So we're not to create an environment in our home where we have to hide our mistakes or flaws. We communicate to him, what God communicates to us is that I will never abandon you because you disappoint me. Your kids know that there is no level of mess that their lives could get in that you would actually withhold love from them. Grace has got to cover mistakes. At least to the next one. To have a spiritually healthy family, it's got to be a home that has genuine love. Paul uses this word when, when he says that we're to nurture them by bringing them up. To nurture our kids. Right? It's the same word that Paul, as when Paul says that we're to bring them up in the ways of the Lord, it's the same Greek word that Paul used for a husband to nourish his wife. To nourish and cherish. This is this idea of love. To nourish our kids. To, to, to love them. Right? I know it should go without saying, but let them know that they are loved. Let them know that they are cared about by you. It's easier when they're little, right? When they make a mistake, then they can come up and cuddle with you and you can watch Lion King, you know, those kinds of things. When they become teenagers and you've got like sort of an attitude issue or, you know, we have busy households and, and there's like been a little tension, you know what I mean? And there's been a lack of communication just because of lifestyle busyness. You can go a whole week without realizing, man, I haven't hugged my kid. Little stinker. And yet... God calls you and I to love our children. Of course we have to discipline them. Of course we have to let them know truth. But man, that they're loved. I love what Paul says in Romans 12. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. It's not just reminding our kids, do you know how much I sacrifice for you? But I love you. I'm for you. I care about what you care about. I want you in my life to hug your children, to eat meals with them. One of the greatest uh, advices, a, a piece of advice I received as our kids were getting older was just to, you know, find a way to connect with my oldest. My oldest and I would, you know, uh, you know as be, being the first teenager in a household, you know, button heads and, you know what I mean, going, man, dude, stop with that mouth. So that mouth's going to make you money one day, but it's also going to get you in trouble, just like your dad. But it was to... Just start having meals with them. And we started meeting for lunch and going to Chipotle at lunch and just connecting. And man, letting them know, hey, I love you. I care about you. I knew that Tammy loved me when she knew who Lee Haney was. And if you know who Lee Haney is, then you must love me as well. Do you guys even know who he is? He's the greatest bodybuilder of all time. And we were dating. That was like sort of my world and stuff. Lee Haney was, you know, the champion. Eight-time Mr. Olympia. First eight-time Mr. Olympia. And uh, she said something about, oh, yeah, I read this article in Flex Magazine about Lee Haney. I said, like, oh, my gosh, I dropped to one knee. Will you marry me? You find out what your kids like. You find out what they dream about. You show that you care about them and what they care about. It's, it's not, well, I don't really like that. It's they like that, and I care about them. I'm going to add a couple more that are, I think, essential to building, uh, and biblical, building a spiritually healthy family. Here's a fifth one. It's a family, it's a house that stays connected. It's a house that stays connected. When your kids start getting older and they start moving on, and, you know, right now Tam and I are empty nesters, 
And, uh, and, and you're, you're going to realize that I mean, your kids are going to be very different. And you've got to be a student of those kids. And realizing that you're transitioning from a, t- a place of, of control to a place of influence. And if you want to have influence when they're older, you're going to need to actually get in that spot where you actually have some kind of connection with them. I met with uh, Pastor Mitch Rivera, the uh, pastor he's over at Clovis Hills now. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I said, hey, man, uh, I like, man, I, I want to, I, w- I just want to, like my kid, I just seriously really frustrated. And he just started laughing. I'm like, you know what? I want to punch you too. I can't believe, what are you laughing at? He said, oh, man. And he said, let me just tell you. You and Tammy are getting in a transition period. You better recognize it because you're moving from control to influence. And if you don't make this transition with your kids, you will have no influence in their life. And as soon as they are 18, they're going to dip, party over. And from that conversation, uh, I gained wisdom and, and just began to just, you know, Tammy and I are like, we've got to find ways to stay connected to our kids and not let things get silent, you know what I mean? So you find ways to connect. Food, sports. My youngest son loves guns. So I, uh, I don't know if I should tell you I have maybe, a, or maybe I don't have a gun in my house. Uh, <laughs> gun show, gun show. And so I'm like, I'm going to get a membership up there with all the other hillbillies, and we're just going to go shooting guns together, you know what I mean, up there in Albury. Mother's son. I was so done with the sport of bodybuilding, I was just like over it. I didn't know who was winning what. My, my middle kid just got a, you know, a, a copy of a bodybuilding book, and man, he just got that bug like my brother had his uncle and I had as a teenager. And man, we just started connecting, and I'm like, you know what? I better start going to the gym more because this is his world, and this is what he loves. All my kids, you know, were working out and athletic and whatever, but I just have to find a way to connect. And, and if you want to have that household that continues to have that spiritually healthy climate, even when the kids are old, you got to find a way to connect with them. you got to find a way to be with them. Chuck Swindoll talks about his kids and how different they are. One of them is a Harley Davidson rider, and so he, Chuck bought a Harley, and he said, I'm going to go ride with my son. The other one's, you know, outdoorsman. So you just find ways to connect. Hopefully, your kids, you know, um, you, uh, you know, something that you and I can keep up with and do with them, but you just find a way to connect. Does that make sense, man, to find a genuine connection so that you have influence in their life? Do stuff that they like to do. Here's the last one. It's, it's a house that relies on prayer. When all else fails, Pray. Last week, we, we, I shared a verse. Pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. You seek God for your kids. Who knows what they're facing right now? You pray for their protection. You pray that they, that they discover Jesus. You pray for their friends. You pray for their future spouse. You pray for your future in-laws. Very critical. Last week, uh, right now we're one for one, so we're super stoked. <laughs> Uh, last week, Caden, our, our, our youngest, is getting ready to ship to San Diego. He's uh, in the Navy, and so uh, Tam was like, hey, I think Caden's getting bugged. I've been sending him scriptures and stuff, and he's like our one text kid, you know what I mean? Uh, like, yeah. Like, hey, did you get my text? Yeah. Like, okay. I see how it is. And uh, I'm like, don't, do, don't be like that to your girlfriend. And like, yeah, it's not going to go so well. <laughs> 
And, uh, and so <laughs> he finally, he picked up the phone and, and Tam was FaceTime. I was like, listen, I know it might bug you, but man, if your mama ain't sending you Bible verses and praying for you, letting you know I'm praying for you, who will? And I thought about that. Who's praying more for your kid than you? Who would feel the, the, the need to pray, the urgency to pray for your child more than you as a parent? I mean, grandparents for sure, right? But your child is in a world that is, Satan is vying for them. And so you pray, you pray, you pray for God to give them all that they need to discover his path for them, wisdom and what to say in life. There's a story of, uh, that I was thinking about today. Tam and I went, had dinner with Jeff and Mary Roberts about uh, 15 years ago. They are uh, ex-pastors up in the Sacramento area. And they were attending our church when we first began. And they had two young boys that were just great kids, man. I don't know if you guys know, like, that PKs traditionally don't do so hot. You know what I mean? Did any of you guys have a, have a wild pastor kid friend growing up in high school? Anybody? There we go right there. So I just told the kids, like, hey, I'm not a pastor. I don't know what people call me over that church that we're at, but that's not what my role is, hoping that that would help. I asked Jeff and Mary, I'm like, you know, because our kids were, you know, just in it, man, wild and fun kids. And uh, their kids were, you know, college and high school. And I said, how did, how did you guys do it, man? Give me the secret sauce. And they just laughed and said, honestly, we have no idea. But we prayed. And we just prayed over our kids. And we just asked God to cover their mistakes as parents. And we asked God to intervene in those kids' lives. And I just think, man, that's your role, to create a spiritually healthy home. Sharing God's word. God is welcomed and honored in your household. There's fair and consistent, you know, discipline uh, in, in, in your household, right? It's a home where grace covers all of our mistakes. It's a home with genuine love. It's a home that stays connected even as the kids are moving out. But it's a home that relies on prayer. Totally reliance upon prayer. As often as you could pray together. Harder now for our kids. When they were little, we go in their bedrooms and pray for them and pray over them. Being, raising kids, creating a spiritually healthy household, it's not for cowards, man. It, it, it'll take every ounce of energy that you have, and God will give you the strength. It's just like that ride, right? Hang on to your hats and glasses. This here is the wildest ride in the wilderness. We want to be a church that has resources and help for you. That's why uh, every single week they print these things out, those parent cues. Jason, now running our student ministry, has resources to help us, when we are raising our kids in, in, the, in their teen years, uh, we want to be a, a place where any time, man, things are hitting your household that you need some help navigating through, uh, we certainly want to be a church that supports these houses to become spiritually healthy homes. As well as every single Sunday, we have people available on each side of the room to pray with and for you. Maybe today you need to get some prayer. Maybe today's a day that you need to go and say, man, our household, our kids, doesn't matter how young or how old they are, we want to ask God to intervene and to bless their lives and to come and give us aid. Maybe today's the day when we think about, you know, having a spiritually healthy home. That greatest commandment that I began with in Deuteronomy chapter 6, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Boy, our, our need in life uh, is, is to have God at the very center your, your greatest need is to be in relationship with your creator. 
Many of you have made that, that commitment to Jesus Christ where you've confessed your sin to him and you've asked him to come and be the savior of your life and you're on that path where you're growing in relationship to him. You're, you're uh, growing in your walk, right? You're learning how to love him. You're learning how to hear from him. But maybe you're here this morning and, and you recognize, man, you don't have a relationship with God today. You, today, if you're honest, you're to look like in the depths of your heart and say, man, I, I, I think about Christianity as religion. Like, you've got to do all these things. And what Christianity actually communicates and what the gospel is, is that there's nothing that you can do to ever earn God's love or salvation. It's only a gift of grace that you have to receive. You see, every one of us has broken God's commands. Every one of us is a sinner here today. There's not one person that could ever earn God's favor or ever do enough good things to cancel out our debt of sin to God. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross. And when he hung on the cross, Jesus Christ absorbed all of God's wrath for the sins of the entire world. All your sin, my sin, the sins of every human being. And when he died on the cross, that was that what we call the atoning sacrifice. He sufficiently covered all of our sin. And what happened, he rose again from the dead on the third day, and because of that, now he offers eternal life to every single person, every man, every woman, every child, every adult, that would confess their sins, to call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says that they shall be saved. But you've got to make that decision to say, God, I'm done living life my own way. God, I'm going to actually begin to live life your way. And you surrender your heart. The Bible says that Christ comes into our life. He makes you a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5. And you begin that journey of walking with God and knowing God and having his resources come in your life because now you have genuine connection with him. And when we, every Sunday, we give an opportunity for somebody to say yes to Jesus and have their sins forgiven. Maybe that's you this morning. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace. Thank you for giving us your word that teaches us, God, how to have spiritually healthy homes. And Father, my prayer is that you will bless each and every household, each and every single mom or dad, each and every couple who is in the thick of it right now, trying to honor you, Jesus in raising their kids to know you. I pray that you would give them strength and courage to make good choices. I pray that you would give them energy, God, to keep pressing on. I pray that, Lord, each and every kid represented in this church, God, would, would know you and love you and follow you. And Lord, I also pray for those who are here this morning. Maybe there's one person who says, today's the day I'm gonna commit my life to Jesus. Today's the day I'm gonna ask God to come into my life and have my sins forgiven. If that's you this morning, nobody looking around right now, it's just me and you. If that's you this morning, today you say, hey, would you pray for me? Today, Gordon, I'm ready to surrender my heart. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand up high enough so I can see it. I want you to hold it up in place. If today you're ready to submit your life to Jesus, you want your sins forgiven. You want relationship with him. If that's you, you lift your hand up. Anybody here today, you're ready to surrender your heart to the Lord. He loves each and every one of us. Each and every one of you so deep. Anybody here today? Well, Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for love. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us encouragement today, Lord, to, to build houses, God, that honor you. Bless every parent, every grandparent, every believer in this room, God, that has influence on a young person. Lord, help us to point them to you.